The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Dear Media IRL is back, and we're showing up bigger, better, and louder than ever. Join us on May 4th in Austin, Texas, for the ultimate live podcasting experience. Watch and learn from your favorite Dear Media hosts as they bring their insightful discussions from your headphones to the stage. Get ready to be inspired, entertained, and watch audio get a makeover. Tickets are on sale now at dearmedia.com slash IRL. See you on May 4th in Austin, Texas. All right, as promised, we're going to do another solo like Q&A episode. And if you haven't listened to the first one, we'll link it in the show notes. But basically what I did was I took all of your questions from Instagram. Well, not all of them, but a select few from Instagram. And then divided them into parenting and postpartum. And I did an episode on that. And now we're going to do all like non-kid questions because I feel there are people who listen to the show who are parents who are interested in that and some people who aren't parents but are still interested in the topics. And then there are some people who are not parents and are like, okay, let's chat about some non-kid things. So here we go. I don't even remember these questions because I did this, I want to say a month ago, where I asked for the questions. I put them in a Google Doc and I now have about 40 minutes before I have to go pick up my toddler from school. And today is like the one day of the week I think that we have childcare to be determined for the rest of the week, but I need to just cram in all of my work today and I'm running on fumes. I'm going to be honest with you, you guys. I'm running on goddamn fumes. Quite honestly, I think in a few months, hopefully when I'm sleeping, I'm going to look back at this period of time and be like, how the hell were you doing everything? And I don't know, but our baby just doesn't like to sleep. So I don't sleep. And You just got to somehow keep going because you got another kid. So here we are. Okay, questions. Listening to your episode with your sister and loving it, but can you please expand on mouth taping ASAP? I realized that I didn't really like dive into this at any point. And I've mentioned it like here and there. And it's not that I feel mouth taping is normal, but I do feel like so many people in like the wellness quote unquote space, I've seen posts about it. And I just feel like it's been this thing. And I've been taping my mouth now for a year and a half, maybe. I got to look on Amazon and look at when I started ordering. I think it's been a year and a half, maybe even longer for sleep. And originally we were doing it all the time. And then I kind of like stopped. And now I'm back on my grind because if I'm sleeping, I need the best sleep I can. Basically, mouth taping. You literally just like have tape on your mouth to force your body to breathe through your nose. I don't know like the scientific information of all of it, but I do know that nose breathing is preferred, especially for sleep. And so for deeper sleep, it's better to breathe out of your nose. And I found that I breathe out of my nose during the day, but then sometimes at night I'd wake up and my mouth would be open and I'd be breathing through my mouth. I'd be drooling, like, you know, the whole thing, the whole nine yards. So Joe and I started doing it and I was nervous I was going to feel like claustrophobic or I I don't know that I would hate it. And 
the first night we tried it, we both were like, that was such better sleep. And we just got hooked. Every once in a while, especially in the beginning, I would wake up in the middle of the night and like I had taken it off my mouth. But it's kind of like a retainer where the first few nights you'd wake up with it like in the middle of your sheets because at some point it was bothering you and you tore it out of your mouth and chucked it. I, I at least did. But then I just became so accustomed to it. And so now I take my mouth every night and I'll link the specific mouth tape that I use. But I think you can literally just use like medical tape to tape it. But there are other tapes specifically for taping your mouth to sleep. And yeah, I don't know. I just sleep so much better when I do it. So that's the mouth taping situation. But I will say like if you have a partner and you're going to bed, you have to like it has to be like the cap of like, okay, this is the point where we are done talking. This is the end of our night because there's nothing worse than when one person, like I hate when Joe tries to talk to me after we taped our mouths because not only can I not understand him, but I can't speak. And I'm like, and I'm like, what are we doing here? And then I have to take it off and then put it back on and it loses its stickiness. And I'm like, just that is the marker of like, okay, we are going to bed. No more conversation. No making moves on each other. It is nighttime. Next question. Can you walk us through your journey with anxiety medication? Absolutely. Can I? I started anxiety medication in 2018 at some point because I remember it was after my accident, which was March of 2018. So I think maybe around May or June that year was just, there was a lot going on for me. I had just quit my job and I was, nope, hadn't quit my job yet. Well, I had my accident, then I quit my job. I was also planning our wedding that year. So there was just a lot. And I remember being really anxious and on top of the anxiety, being really angry that I was anxious because I kind of had convinced myself that if I quit this like, intense corporate job that I would be happy all the time and I wouldn't have anxiety and I wouldn't be depressed, but I was kind of more anxious almost because then I was constantly trying to do things for my work and pick it up off the ground. And the list of things I wanted to do was never ending. And I was now like responsible for every dollar I made. It it just like was all on me. So I remember going to my neurologist because I was still suffering from post-concussion symptoms and him being like, would you say you're anxious? And I was like, well, I've always had anxiety because I always have. And my mom was with me because at this point I just felt like concussions are so overlooked because it's this kind of invisible ailment. And I wanted her there and really she wanted to be there to be my like advocate And he was like, would you say you're more anxious? And I refused to say yes, because I'm like, no, I quit my job. Like I quit my job. And so I shouldn't be as anxious. But my mom was like, I mean, yeah, you 100% are. You're less depressed, but you're more anxious. And it was in that moment that I was like, I guess I am. Yeah. Really hearing someone else say it, put it in perspective for me of like waking me up to it all. And so he recommended I try medication. And I have a lot of friends who I've now spoken with as team like pro medication. And I don't feel any type of embarrassment or shame or any of those feelings now whatsoever. But I do recall when I was considering going on them being like, not embarrassed or shameful, but why do I need them? Like, why me? Why do I need this extra thing? Why can't I just be normal? And that really frustrated me. 
But I started sertraline. And again, like obviously speak with your doctors about all of this and you obviously need to for a prescription. But I started sertraline because it was also supposed to help with my post-concussion symptoms. And so I was on that from 2018 until I think the summer of 2020. And at that point, I had spoken with my OB because we were like potentially going to start trying to have kids in the near future. And the specific medication I was on was not one that she wanted me to be on while I was pregnant. So she was like, let's go off of this, see how you feel. And then we can always put you on another medication. If you feel you need something that would be safe for you to be on while you're pregnant. So I went off of it and then got pregnant by surprise. So I hadn't had time to like try a different medication. And during the beginning of my first pregnancy, I was incredibly anxious, like a full body could not stop my thoughts, couldn't sleep, just riddled with anxiety. And I hadn't felt that way in so long. So I immediately found my neurologist didn't feel comfortable prescribing. I had to basically then find someone else alongside my therapist, but like a psychiatrist who would help prescribe me medication. And that's when I started Sertraline, which is a generic brand, is the generic brand of Zoloft. And what they felt most safe for me to take during pregnancy. So I was on that my entire first pregnancy, like starting week, probably eight, and then upped my dosage towards the end of my pregnancy, upped my dosage, I think twice during postpartum. Then within like the two years after having our toddler, decreased a little bit my dosage and basically was on that consistently through my second pregnancy and still today. And there are so many things I do and have done over the years. I used to be way better. Right now, I'm just kind of in survival mode that have helped with anxiety that alongside my medication, whether it be meditating, journaling, cutting down screen time, exercise, spending time outside, cannabis, cutting out alcohol, all of those things. Therapy have helped so much for me. But that being said, I still need medication and I am like loud and proud about that. I don't know if it'll be a forever thing, but I do know that right now, It is so helpful for me to just have a more manageable baseline. And something I've said to my girlfriend that she says to me all the time when she's having hard times is like, you don't need to feel that way. The the moments I understand that people are going to be anxious over certain things. Like I still have anxiety when you take medication, it doesn't suddenly just like make everything disappear. However, I'm not riddled with anxiety having a panic attack over nothing in the middle of the day, just walking home from the grocery store. And I thoroughly believe that you don't need to feel that way. And medication is a great tool for me and my toolkit of how I cope with anxiety and depression. And it's not the cure-all. I still have to use other tools in that toolkit, but it's a very helpful main piece of equipment that I use and turn to daily. Something I'm really trying to do is get more protein in with my breakfast, but simultaneously mornings are just very chaotic in our household until maybe I start sleeping through the night and I can have time for myself in the mornings. I am just kind of like throwing whatever I can together for breakfast during the chaos of getting the kids up, fed, our toddler ready for school, et cetera. And our toddler has been on a huge cereal kick. And originally I was just giving him cereal because like I didn't think to give it to myself. I don't know why. For me, it was always this like kid thing. And then I remembered how much I love cereal. 
Okay, it rules. And then I found Magic Spoon, which also gives me the protein I'm looking for. And it's freaking delicious. So we are definitely now a big Magic Spoon household. They have a variety pack that are four flavors. There's cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. You better believe I am obsessed with the peanut butter and the cocoa, and I mix them together because what is better than that combination? This pack has zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and four to five grams of net carbs with only 140 calories a serving. So it's high protein, has zero grams of sugar, and it's all the things keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, and soy-free. It is delicious, and I feel good eating it, and so does our toddler. I love Again, the cocoa and peanut butter combo, but you add in some strawberries and banana to that mixture, bam, delicious breakfast. Go to magicspoon.com slash foodie to grab a variety pack and try it today. Be sure to use our promo code foodie at checkout to save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it is backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. Remember, start the new year off right with a delicious bowl of high protein cereal at magicspoon.com slash foodie and use the code foodie to save $5 off. I've shared a lot of workout videos over the years and it is very interesting the progression they've all taken. What they once were five years ago were videos in Pilates studios where I was walking like 30 minutes to the studio, doing a full hour class, walking home, bopping around the city. That was my life and I was able to do it every day. That is not my life anymore and that's just the reality. With two kids, that's just not an option. Maybe once in a while I can make it to a class, but majority of the time I am doing a workout with my kids right next to me mainly in my pajamas, quite honestly. And that is why I love Alum Moves. Alum Moves is a streaming on-demand wellness platform that features yoga practices, fitness routines, meditation sessions, and so much more from one of my favorite brands, Alo Yoga. They truly have something for everyone, from beginner to advanced, yoga to bar, Pilates, cardio, and hit classes. And they even have relaxing guided meditations and breath work. The best part is that you need little to no equipment. Again, a lot of the times I'm just like throwing out my mat and doing this workout in our living room in my pajamas during the chaos of our mornings and Allo Moves make that possible. With constantly new offerings and on-demand options, I get so much flexibility and variety, which is imperative for me to incorporate movement into my day. No matter your path, it's time to make a move with Allo Moves. Get a free 30-day Allo Moves subscription by going to allomoves.com and use code FRECKLED30. That's A-L-O-Moves.com, code FRECKLED30 in all caps. Allomoves.com, code FRECKLED30 in all caps. This is very specific for readers, but someone asked, I need to hear your thoughts on Iron Flame. Okay, fourth wing, if you're someone who wants to get into fantasy romance novels. So if you hear all the girls talking about A Court of Thorn and Roses and you're like, I can't do it. That's too mystical fantasy. I get it. Let me tell you, it'll change your life. It's the best series ever. However, Iron Flame, well, Fourth Wing is I think a better starting point. It's more digestible in that like fantasy world. I even got Joe to read it. He loved it. It's just a good book. It's almost like a Game of Thrones style type thing which is A Court of Thorn and Roses as well. But this one just seems more digestible as a starting point into fantasy. So if anyone comes to me of like, I want to get into the fantasy romance novels, Fourth Wing is my starting point. It was amazing. Loved it. Iron Flame is the second one that came out recently. Did not love as much. Quite honestly, I read it right when it came out to now, especially with the brain fog that I'm experiencing. I don't fully even remember it, 
What I do remember is that I did not like it as much as Fourth Wing. And these are going to give spoilers, so skip ahead a little bit. I hated how much we were focused on the torture scenes. I just don't like torture. I don't like reading about that. That just doesn't interest me. I, I, I really don't like it. And I'm struggling with that right now with the third book of Crescent City. I just do not enjoy torture scenes. So that didn't do it for me. Also, I don't know. I just didn't feel as engaged in this one. And I did not like the ending. I, I don't want him to turn into someone I hate. This, I forget the term, but those people, like that whole storyline, I wasn't really that into. And then the end, I'm like, are you kidding me? So I'll be curious what she does with the third book and how she somehow manages for us to love him because I assume we have to because I'll be sad if we don't because I do love him. But I was kind of a little indifferent towards it, if we're being honest, where fourth wing I was deeply attached to. How do you entertain and exercise Charlie now? I'm worried about this when I have a baby. Oh, okay. Let me tell you, I feel guilty when I really think about it because Charlie has taken such a backseat for me. Joe's really good about still making him a priority. I am not. And I hate that for all of us, but that's reality. It's not that you love your dog less when you have kids, because that's not it at all. It's just that you don't have the bandwidth you once had. So for me, the barking when people come to the door or dogs are walking by our house or really anything, like that is my final straw of overstimulation and where I really struggle because I put every ounce of my being into not getting overstimulated or reactive like towards noises that my children make. So when it's that bark, I'm just like, I don't have the bandwidth anymore. So I struggle with that. Our schedule with him is honestly like pretty much the same as it was in the city. However, in the city, he used to go to daycare once a week and we just haven't, we didn't find a daycare we liked around here. And with a house and a yard, I just find it a little less as necessary, but basically he gets one long walk in the morning by Joe. And then in the afternoon, one of us tries to take him on a decent walk. And then at night, usually he's just let out in the back or now that our yard has been in construction for so long, he's just going pee out front. But when our yard is not under construction and it's nicer out, he's like running around in the yard a lot. He's not a dog that plays fetch. He does not drop the ball. He'll chase it, but then he won't get back to you. So it's a very short-lived fetch game. But if you have multiple balls, you can throw them around and he will drop one to go get the other, etc. So we try to do that. What I struggle with is I wish we had a dog nearby that like he could actively play with, but he's just not great with other dogs and we want to introduce them like a few of our friends out here who have dogs we want to find mutual ground to introduce them like neutral ground so that then they could come over and they could play etc but it's it's hard because I never I think I get very protective and I just don't want to set anyone up to fail especially him so I don't like putting us in those situations but I also need to give him a little bit more credit because he used to go to daycare and be fine but he's just so leash reactive that in my mind, I'm like, how would that be fine? And I really don't want him to do anything that would cause issues. So that's kind of where we're at. We also have been having one of our like local babysitters walk in on Saturdays and Sundays for like an hour, which is so helpful just to get him like the extended exercise. But yeah, I'm not going to lie to you. When you have a kid, it it is just like lower, not lower on the list of priorities, but your kid does come first. And so you have to refinagle ways 
to make sure that they're still being cared for and exercised, etc. I do try to cuddle him every night and every morning to make sure he knows that I still love him. How do you manage friendships when struggling to conceive or fertility and BFFs are new moms? All right, so I can't speak from the side of struggling from with fertility while my best friend is becoming a mom, but I can speak to like the new mom side of things. And I don't know if that'll help, but I think what everyone needs to understand when it comes to this topic is that everyone's journey is going to be different from conception to pregnancy, to postpartum, to raising babies, to toddlers, to kids, like everyone's journey is going to be different. And without fail, someone you will struggle in one of those realms that will be challenges. Okay. Potentially many realms, but especially one, it's kind of like a guarantee unless you've won the lottery. But I think I say that because it's important. And again, I can't speak to someone struggling with fertility. So I'm not even going to try to put myself in their shoes because I really, it, it must be so difficult. And I don't think I will ever fully understand how difficult it is. Even if I like try to imagine it, I don't think I can even come close to comprehending. However, I think that's important because when you're having these conversations it might seem like someone has it so easy with how they experience something, say conception. However, they still may be struggling with a difficult pregnancy or a difficult postpartum or whatever it may be. As someone who has a very close friend who has been struggling with fertility for an extended period of time, what I tried to do is I was very upfront when I told her that like I was pregnant for the second time because this was amidst their struggles. And I said to her, I don't need you to be happy for me. I love you. I know that our relationship is there. I know that we love each other, but like you're allowed to be upset. Your emotions are valid. Like I'm sure this does fucking suck for you because it does. There's no way it doesn't. And I believe she would say this because well, it happened, but like I created the space for her to feel the emotions of like, I won't put words on it for her, but crying and like, this does suck. It's, it's not fair and it's not fair. That's the reality. It is not fair. And I said to her, we never have to talk about my pregnancy because I have, I'm blessed with so many incredible girlfriends that I'm like, I don't need you to own any aspect of that. I don't need you to be checking in on me. I don't need you to be asking about my pregnancy. I don't need to talk to you about it. We can act like I'm not pregnant because I have other outlets. I have other people in my life who I can go to for those things. And I realized that that's not fair to put you in that position. And I was very upfront about that from the beginning. And we pretty much did act like I just wasn't pregnant. It just never was like a focus of conversation. And I think if you're the mom best friend, it's sometimes hard because you're like, well, I want that person to be there for me. But I really think you have to look at it from their perspective and realize that like people can serve different purposes in different stages of life. And right now that friend just cannot serve that purpose for you and accepting that and giving them grace and total, total acceptance of like, I, I don't want you to have to check. I don't want you to check in on me. And I mean that wholeheartedly. I will find other people in my life to support me in this manner. And I don't need that from you. This relationship at that point in time, what I said to her is I will be the one checking in on you. No matter how much I'm struggling with certain things, I will be checking in on you. And 
I maybe not everyone wants to do that, but that's just how I felt. I do think relationships are like seesaws and at one point one's going to have to give more to the other. And I was very willing to be like, I will give more to you during this stage. And that what was needed. So I just think being mindful, again, I can only speak from the mom side of things, but if you do have a friend struggling with fertility, being mindful of that and realizing what you're maybe venting about and picking and choosing what things you want to discuss during that phase of life and just trying to support them the best they can and asking like what that looks like. And sometimes it's just listening and sometimes it's just reassuring, like, or not reassuring, but confirming this fucking sucks. I'm so sorry. This is not fair because it's not. And be there for them in any way that you can. And I also think I will say like, if you are the one struggling with fertility, you can set that boundary of, listen, I love you, but I'm having a really hard time right now. And I just need to like step away from mom focused things. You know, like I have had friends who have struggled with fertility who told me up front, like birthday parties just are not a place that I can be right now because it's really hard for me. And I understand that. Of course, I'm sure it is. And giving them that space to feel comfortable saying that and then also following through with that, like not expecting them to come to the kid's birthday party and being totally okay with that because their emotions are very important as well. To say that I am obsessed with Thrive Market is honestly like the understatement of the year. I am ride or die one of their biggest fans. I have been a paying customer of Thrive Markets for maybe five plus years now. And it just makes my life easier. I am someone who will go to the grocery store once a week, but that's really just for like produce. I have all of my pantry items and other stuff, but mainly pantry items delivered to my door every month or so on Thrive Market. Because A, you cannot beat the price, simply cannot beat the price. Like I recently placed a huge pantry order and saved over $90. The savings are unparalleled with on average over 30% each time. And if you find a better price somewhere else, they have a price match guarantee. Plus they have every single brand that I love. They have Siete, Simple Mills, Chomps, Go Macro, all of my favorite brands. And I'm also always learning about new brands, especially for my toddler because our snack rotation is ever growing. So we just got some Scout Organic Bars last time and the Thrive Market brand Organic Fruit Circles. Huge, 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 huge hits. The best part though is they get delivered right to my door. I don't have to leave the house to go grocery shopping and like schlep home with 10,000 bags of all of these pantry items, especially like the beans, the sauces, all of those canned goods that we get. Truly, I love Thrive Market. And my favorite part is that when you join, you are also helping a family in need with their one-for-one membership matching program. You join and they give. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com slash Cameron for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash Cameron. Thrivemarket.com slash Cameron. I shared a lot about this last week in the episode, but then also on social that like I kind of became a Valentine's Day girly this year. Shocking to the core because the most off-brand thing I've ever done. 
I hosted a Valentine's Day dinner for some girlfriends and I went like all out with the decor. And of course, because I was hosting, I had to decide what the heck am I going to cook for dinner? So I decided I was going to make this like delicious bolognese pasta sauce with, of course, pasta. And it was a star. I loved it. So freaking delicious. But you know what was the star? Is that I didn't have to then like transfer it from where I cooked it into a serving dish because the caraway pots and pans are just that beautiful that they do both. You can cook in them and you can serve in them, especially in my household because I went with the navy set so it perfectly matches the like blue hue of our kitchen and I just love them. I used the large Dutch oven to make the sauce and then the smaller Dutch oven or pot to make the pasta. And then I strained the pasta, poured the pasta in the large Dutch oven, mixed it all up and served as is. We switched to caraway cookware when we moved into our new house this past January, and I will never go back to anything else. Their nonstick kitchenware makes cooking a breeze and cleanup easier than ever. After a girl's dinner, I don't want to like sit around for so long cleaning up all these dishes. Nope. This Dutch oven is so easy to clean. Plus, their high-quality ceramic-coated kitchenware is free of PTFE, lead, and other toxic materials. And again, they come in the most beautiful colorway options. With cookware, bakeware, storage, and tea kettles to choose from, there is something for everyone. If you want to upgrade your cookware, visit carawayhome.com slash Cameron to take advantage of this limited time offer for 10% off your next purchase. This deal is exclusive for our listeners, so visit carawayhome.com slash Cameron or use code Cameron at checkout. Caraway, non-toxic cookware made modern. All right, technical difficulties. Two things. First of all, the audio kind of sucks. I'm really sorry. I'm just now realizing that. And that's on me. And second, I'm trying to be the video podcast girl because I don't want to be, quite honestly. But because we're already recording it and people ask for video, it's going out. And at one point, the video stopped. And I don't know when that point was. So if you're watching this, you might have just missed a large chunk. I'm honestly not sure. Back to the question, loving the friendship episodes, wondering if people in your town slash group followed FF before. A few did, a few did not. And there hasn't been any like weirdness to that. Where I struggle is when I meet new people, this was something I was very nervous about moving to the burbs and still kind of am. But basically, I felt in New York, the creator world was so normal in a sense. So I also just wasn't really meeting new people unless they were other creators. I was meeting creators at events and stuff like that. And of course, then they all get it like they're creators as well. But I wasn't meeting new people really elsewhere. But when you move to the suburbs, obviously I was making new friends, but really also when our toddler started school, I was meeting like adults. And I I don't know why, like that just feels different to me when I'm meeting like a parent in a school. I'm like, oh, we're adults here. Like this is an adult world. Suddenly I'm an adult. And I was so stressed slash still am of meeting those people and then being like, oh, so what do you do? Because And this is partially my own shit. Like I'm very dismissive of my job, which is not good, but that's my reality of people are like, oh, I'm a lawyer. I'm a this. I'm a doctor. I'm a this. And I'm like, I am a TikToker. Like, I know I'm not. Well, I am. I don't know. It's so fucked in my head why I have such a mental block with this. So I say I'm a content creator and a podcast host. But then, of course, then people ask more questions. And then what I don't like is then, not that I don't like it, but when I then meet people, if they then start following me, then I'm like, oh God, what are they about to like? Because I just kind of put it all out there. And 
that's kind of weird for me. Because obviously there are people who I'm close with in my life. They see it, whatever. They know all this about me. And then it's like I've kind of put up this mental block of everyone else is just members of my community who I potentially meet on the streets or at events and they're amazing and I love them. But I don't think about the like people who I kind of know who also follow me and consume my content. That's where I have a mental block. I don't know. It's very confusing. So we're navigating this as we go. When slash why did you decide to leave your corporate job? I quit my corporate job after five years. Yeah. I graduated in May 2013 and I started in June 2013. I was in sales and trading at JP Morgan. I was selling uh, municipal bonds to institutional clients. And so I was in sales and trading. I think I said that. My brain doesn't work. And I quit in April. No, May, May 2018. So it might have been exactly five years, which I, I think it was. Anyway, I was there for five years and I really loved my job, especially in the beginning. I found it really fun and exciting and thrilling. And I think it was perfectly catered to college athletes, like the intensity, the competitiveness, the team mentality, all of that. But quite honestly, I did not give two shits about the product I was selling or the market. And like, I knew that from the very beginning, but I just had a lot of fun doing it. Like it was fun to me. Then it became this thing where I was succeeding there. However, it was due to some of my like not so great personality traits that I don't love about myself, but they were being like hyperactive in that space, which is like hyper, I guess, overachieving anxious because I was doing everything instantaneously because I was so anxious. And so then I was like marked as successful and it was like reliable and, oh, I was doing a good job, but it was more so because I was riddled with anxiety. And it was so fast paced and I was so constantly like, go, 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 go. The rest of the world doesn't matter. Only this matters. Like verge of wanting to crawl out of my skin if I had to wait in a sweet green line for like 10 minutes because I was like, I need to get back to my desk. Like chill the fuck out. So I don't think it made me the, well, I know it did not make me the best version of myself. And I had started this account on the side just as this like fun way to make food. Quite honestly, it was all food. My face was never on it. It was completely separate from my life, etc. And that this seems so long ago. Maybe I'll do a deep dive of this if people want more information. But basically, I fantasized about this world so that I could do something with this account full time. But I was making no money. I had no brand partnerships. I didn't have a large following at all. All of this stuff. But I just kept getting pulled and pulled and pulled and pulled to this space when it was really like more food, wellness, et cetera. And I felt like I wanted to do all these things, but I didn't have the time to do them. And then I got hit by a car in March 2018 and I suffered from a back concussion. And during that time, I was like, life is way too fucking short. I will never have this least amount, less amount of responsibility that I have right now. I have so many privileges to allow me to just like, quit and take this leap of faith. The corporate world is not going anywhere. And so I did. And that was five years ago. No, 2024. Oh my God. Almost six years ago. Next month. Okay. So maybe we'll do a solo episode of like six years reflecting. I don't know. Let me know if you want that. If you could give career advice to a 25 year old woman, what would you say? Okay. So I think this really depends. Like it's so hard to give blanket advice. Depends on the industry, the person, etc. I wish for myself I had like 
chill that a little bit, not taking everything so seriously because I just thought that like I was doing the most important thing in the world when I wasn't. And some of you are teachers, surgeons, nurses. Okay. But I was not. And I, what else would I say? Stick up for yourself. I think I did a good job of that, but I also have a lot of flashbacks, especially in my anxiety dreams of not sticking up for myself in moments where I wish I had. Finding female mentors who will champion you like and holding on to them closely because I think it's so wildly important. And then more blanket advice that like I do think is applicable to everyone is try to never ask the same question twice. Someone once told me that. And then when I was in charge of interns, like our intern sponsor, I felt that that was really helpful when that did happen is like, don't be afraid to say you don't know something, but never ask the same question twice. So admit you don't know something. Say, I'm not sure. Can you either teach me or where can I learn to do this? Or I will go find out. And then if you ask a question while you're finding out said thing, keep note of that answer somewhere so that you're not asking that same question twice, at least to the same person. I shared on social that I'm like struggling with figuring out what the heck to wear right now. I just feel very lost. So my stylist, Mackie, came over the other day and we went through my entire closet and decided what we want to keep, what we want to try to like reconfigure into new looks and any potential pieces that I want to invest in. And for me, there's nothing better than a like core group of essential pieces of clothing that you can just like rotate and wear in different ways. You know, like we all talk about building the capsule wardrobe, but it really is the best idea for anyone, especially people who are just like sick of making decisions. So for items that I'm looking to buy, I'm so grateful for Quince because I love that Quince has luxury essentials at affordable prices. They offer a range of high quality items at prices within reach, like 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters from $50, washable silk tops and dresses, organic cotton sweaters, and 14 karat gold jewelry. They create timeless classics that never go out of style, items that you'll have in your closet forever, which always makes putting together outfits just so much easier. The best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. Give yourself the luxury you deserve with Quince. Go to quince.com slash Cameron for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Cameron to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash Cameron. I've never tried weed before. What product should I start with? Oh, gosh. Well, this is like so, okay. Depends on what you're looking for. But what I will say is a product I'm absolutely loving, loving, is the High Confectionery. I'll link it in the show notes. They are these edible gummies, and it's basically a pack. There are 10 in a pack, and each one is one milligram. So the concept is that you can either have all 10 and have a 10 milligram edible, which is too much for me on an every night, or you can control your dose in the sense of you can start with one milligram, which like most people wouldn't feel much, if anything. And then if you want more, a little bit later, you can take another one and then you're up to two. You know how to do the math, etc. So I would start there and just start with one and see how you feel. And if you feel good, maybe the next time, an hour later or half hour later, add another milligram. I think that's a really 
comfortable place to start, in my opinion. What is your dream day of eating? It could be anything from anywhere. Oh, gosh. Well, I wake up and I would love the, like, elaborate room service style breakfast of I want, like, a glass of water, a hot latte, a glass of freshly squeezed orange juice, but not too pulpy, and then some platter with soft scrambled eggs, crispy bacon. I'm assuming I'm not gluten intolerant during this day, and I want like a good sourdough bread alongside jam and butter with jelly, like a good raspberry jelly and butter. And yeah, oh, and some like breakfast potatoes that are crispy, crispy, crispy. Okay, that's my breakfast. Then for lunch, I would like a really good probably from my favorite spot, Raymond's, chicken Caesar salad with a side of fries and a Coke on ice with lime. That's probably my like favorite lunch. Then around three o'clock, I would like a charcuterie board specifically from Cedar Lakes where we got married with meats, cheeses, nuts, fruits, jams, honey, the whole shebang. And yeah, I would like that. Before that, like an hour before that, so I have time to like digest, I would like a iced rook coffee from the beach. Okay, then I have my charcuterie board. Then for dinner, this is really hard. I think I would have to say the bar sardine burger. I'm going to assume that I can drink in this world, like that I drink. And I want a spicy margarita. Yes, I want a spicy margarita. And I also would like a seafood tower before the burger with like king crab legs, shrimp, the that whole situation. Fries, again, probably. I think that's probably my dinner. And then dessert, I would like a pint of Cafe Pana ice cream. Not a pint, a bowl of mixed flavors of Cafe Pana ice cream. Get some cookies and Pana in there, get some on stream. Then, you know, you, you gotta figure out what the specials are, but like that vibe. Yeah, okay, that's my dream day. And before the ice cream, we're going to include this in eating. I've had a three milligram edible. That is my dream day of eating. Last question, reflecting on your house, things you like versus don't since living there. Okay, I love our house so much. I will say if there were anything I could change, it's like pretty high instead of wide, if that makes sense. So there's a lot of like space, but it's high. And the stairs, I don't think I realized. It's more so just going from an apartment to a house. You forget that how much like space there is for things to be so like i'll be getting the kids ready for something and i'm like shit i have to go get something i'm like oh shit it's all the way up there on the third floor so then i'm walking up the stairs and then i come back down i'm like fuck i forgot something else in my bedroom so i'm going back up like that is something that's just taking getting used to the garage is almost done so i'll be very happy i'm just like ecstatic over the fact that we have a finished basement it's one of my favorite things in the world it's what i always wish i had growing up I love our open floor plan because I can be in the kitchen and our kids can be like, our baby can be on his mat and our toddler can be on the couch watching TV or he can be in the basement because it's an open floor plan. So like there's no door to the basement. I could hear him. The stairs are open. They're right there. I love that. But then sometimes I'm like, I wish our dining area was like closed off so that we could make it, we could differentiate a bit. And I feel like maybe that's just needs to be done with decor and we haven't done it yet. I love our new like sitting nook that we made. That room feels very adult and I'm here for it. I wish our 
I, I, I really wish our laundry room wasn't on the third floor. That's something. But I don't think there's any changing that. I, I don't know. I'm trying to think if there's anything else I would change or switch. I just, I, I do love our house. Like, I love it so much. I love that I have an office, a space that I can just, like, go to and work. That's such a win. Our gym's awesome. I haven't been in there in months, but it's great when I actually work out. Uh, I don't know. The number one thing I love, though, is our neighborhood. Obsessed. Obsessed. Our neighbors, the community, the walkability. I love it all. So I'm very, very pleased. And it's officially been a year. All right. Well, that's the solo episode. Thank you all so much for listening. You can do all the things if you please. Subscribe, rate, review, share, etc. Let me know your thoughts and have a great rest of your week. Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode of Freckled Foodie and Friends. I have so much fun recording the show. It is my favorite part of my job and truly is what lights me up. Your feedback and response to every episode is what keeps me going. And if this episode resonated with you, please feel free to DM me over on Instagram or share on your stories. If you are looking for a way to support the show, please rate and or review on whatever platform you use to listen to your podcast. It means the world to me and it really helps the show grow. Please also make sure to hit subscribe so that you are up to date with new episodes coming at you every Wednesday morning. And of course, please be sure to follow me on Instagram and TikTok at at Cameron Oaks Rogers. I love you and I appreciate your support so much. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.